I'm Nathan Ashman, teacher, parent, and now podcaster. Welcome to My Students Have Taught Me. Each week, we're going to take a brief look at a teen trending topic to understand what it is, why it's popular with teens, why it might have concerns as parents and teachers, and what impact it might have on society moving forward. This week, my students have taught me about sneaker culture. Jordan 4s or Jordan 1s, Rolexes got more than one. Sneaker Culture 101 in lyrics from a Stormzy song. Exclusive pairs of training shoe, increasing demand and revenue. Our kids are craving the branded skins. Or do they just want to fit in? Parents can't keep up with this demand, but is that the point if you're a sneaker brand? So today I've got with me my sister, Tiffany, uh, who also works in this school, uh, is the head teacher's PA, is that right? I am, yep. And you've been in education for about seven years. Yes. And also a parent of teens. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Today is all about sneaker culture. Now, um, people might not know what sneaker culture is, but for me, um, I guess because we haven't got an equivalent British word in the UK, uh, that's why we nick the Americanism of sneaker. Um, but sneaker culture is all about having the latest shoes, the sort of popular brands on your feet, Nike, Jordans, essentially most popular, I would guess. Um, and but being a massive fan of that brand, a massive fan of those shoes, collecting those shoes, what do you, what do you, what do you think sneaker culture is all about? Exactly as you said, and I think it's that desire to have the shoe that everyone's talking about, the shoe that everybody wants, the brand that everybody wants. I think it really plays into that need for fitting in. So they all want to have the Nike shoes. They all want Jordans mostly. Yeah, so it's that need for something that everybody wants to have and they want to be the one that's got it. It's that status. Yeah, and I guess th- th- there's that exclusivity of it as well. So if you can get something on your feet which no one else has got, then that gives you some sort of kudos and popularity as well. Exactly. Um, exactly. Now, from a school point of view, I guess that can cause quite a lot of pressure for kids to have the latest things. And things like non-uniform day, you know, we see kids coming in with Air Force Ones, with with Jordans and comparing their shoes to each other literally walk around school looking at each other's shoes yeah uh, which I find a bit bizarre but I get it yeah so when we were younger when I was at school I remember around 1990-ish and Reebok pumps coming out and Reebok pumps were actually about 100 pounds when they first came out really yeah which is a lot of money back then yeah um I remember going to a shop with mum and I'd say oh yeah how much of a how much can I spend on a pair of trainers and Mm. it'd be like 30 quid maximum yeah definitely um I probably still spend about that much on my training now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about massively expensive trainers aren't we we are we are and when you know we talk about non-uniform days and and that status around it I remember a member of staff saying to me at one of our schools that um, we needed to give really long notice for non-uniform day because there was a risk if we didn't give enough notice for students to feel they were prepared and had whatever they felt was acceptable to wear that day that they might not come to school Wow. Because that pressure's there. So that's yeah. why a lot of schools don't do non-uniform days now because it's gone from being something that was, you know, fun for whatever reason to actually it's the day where you show your status. And there is real guidance around that now um, from lots of charities that deal with poverty um, and disadvantaged children to say, actually, there's pressure to not have any uniform days at all in schools in the UK. And the Glasgow City Council have actually said that they, they've advised their schools not to do non-uniform days for that reason because there's too much pressure mm on kids to come in with the latest brands and if they can't you know if they're on they're on ebay they're on vintage trying to find like the latest thing if yeah. they can't do that yeah then they just won't come to school yeah and defeat the object completely plus also you're you're not just saying right kids come to school in your own clothes and your own branded clothes you're also saying to kids pay for the privilege as well 
So often the on forms day will say, you know, we're going to raise some money, pay a pound to come into school. And that's a massive amount of money for a lot of kids. So um, I, I kind of have to say to, to my kids at school when they take them on uniform day, try to explain that. I try to explain to a couple of kids and say, mm. this is why we're not doing it. And mm. I kind of understand, but at the same time, you want to give them a bit of fun and have those fun days at school too, don't you? Completely. And we, we've tailored ours a little bit. So we tend to do replace one item with something else. So your top half can be non-uniform, but you're still going to wear your school shoes and your trousers. And that kind of gets away from that, you know, area of them worrying about what's on their feet. Yeah. And that, that gets that a bit better. Mm. There's that World Book Day, for instance. The way we're doing it this year is that um, kids can opt to come in. They kind of have to sign up to come in in, in, uh, in fancy dress and say what they're going to come out as rather than just being a, oh, I'm just a really cool kid from this really cool comic you've never heard of, you know, <laughs> with my own clothes. Happens to have Jordans on. Yeah. <laughs> and I love a World Book Day. Mm. I'm actually a World Book Day costume champion. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we need to sort of encourage kids to have those fun days in school, mm. but to have non-uniform day and to have that sneaker culture sort of um, come into school on those days is really, really, I guess, can be quite stressful for a lot of kids and a lot of parents as yeah. well. Yeah, completely. And I think that's something, you know, the parents is a big, big aspect of this because that desire for those shoes often is meaning that parents are thinking of putting themselves into debt and having to work extra hours to pay for the shoes that their children so badly want, um, cool. which is which is another worry. You talked to me before um, we start recording about the sort of cost of a pair of trainers compared to sort of a weekly shop. Yes, yeah, so I think students don't realise that. Teenagers don't, they don't have an idea of what, say 150 pounds means in the real world because to them there's nothing else they ever really need to buy that's that sort of cost apart from maybe a mobile phone which a parent would usually get over a longer period of time and they might be paying 20 pounds a month so you know to suddenly have to find 150 pounds for a pair of shoes is massive and that could feed you know a family of four in the uk right now is about 150 pounds pair of trainers that's a bit that's ridiculous and the worst thing is at the moment that really winds me up is that they don't wear these trainers to train in anymore no, they don't. they don't. In fact, they walk around like penguins. They don't yes. want to increase the trainers. Yes, yes, which just seems odd. Or I've had days where with one of my children, we went out for the day. I didn't question what they were wearing on their feet because we were going out for a walk. And halfway through the day, it's, oh, my feet are really hurting, Mum. I need to change my shoes. And they'd be, you're wearing trainers. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then I've got a pair of trainers that I absolutely adore. And constantly get tasked by students or, you know, even my own children, like, what are you doing in those Jordans? You can't do that in Jordans. So you can't exercise in your Jordans. You wouldn't go for long walks in your Jordans. What? I like to go clubbing in my Jordans. And, you know, now they've got creases. Oh, my God, your shoes are creased. Oh. But I like that. I like the fact that my shoes look like an adult's been wearing them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, that's what trainers are for. They're, they're, it's a training shoe. Yeah. Like I say, it's turned into something completely different. Completely. And £150 for a pair of trainers is massive, especially because kids are growing so fast anyway. So, mm. you know, you've got a son in year nine, he wants a pair of £150 trainers. Two months later, you've got to buy another pair of £150 trainers yeah. if you want to keep up with what's going on. Yeah. But I think the other advantage is I think students are, and, and young people in general are looking after their things a lot yeah. more. And so, you know, that thinking that, okay, if I look after my shoes, maybe in a year's time, maybe six months time, I could actually sell them. Um, second hand and get another pair so yeah that's something that we probably didn't consider when we were younger we'd just wear something and wear it out till it was dead and then buy another pair I think that that's a really good point I think in terms of parents they need to consider that and you know if your child wants another pair of trainers because they've grown out the last ones okay keep those nice and pristine and then there's a massive reselling culture for mm. sneakers or trainers isn't there mm, huge um, 
Um, in fact, in terms of that sneaker culture and um, and reselling, um, the, that exclusivity of of sort of brands dropping trainers at certain times, yeah, and then having to get that drop um, because you want to you want to purchase the trainers. Um, I guess there's a, something in there that you want the exclusive trainers yourself. You can mm-hmm. keep. But I think there's also a real demand for selling those on, isn't there? So, so, so the the trainers drop on a certain date. Yeah. You go into a ballot to get these exclusive trainers for like maybe three hundred quid, yeah. whatever they might be. But then, as soon as they drop, and as soon as you bought them, you can then resell those online for probably double, triple the amount that you paid. Yeah, indeed. And that's again something that's I don't know how new that is. I think at least within the next last few years or something that yeah. started. And it's not just the brands that are doing it. Some of the you know the actual um, Stores themselves do the same thing where, you know, you go into a raffle for the opportunity to buy shoes. Yeah. I'm not even sure that a lot of adults are probably conscious of that. Um, but again, it just builds that, like you say, the exclusivity of being able to get your hands on a pair. And then it doesn't really matter whether they're for you, because if you're just buying them to sell on, then it's just a case of being there at the right time in the morning online been there myself waiting for the app to tell you that you can go online and get them um yeah it's it's, it's a whole new minefield it really is yeah so you said you've you've been there you've been there ready for that drop to happen um on behalf of your son is that right um yes but also for myself um, <laughs> i really love my red jordans and so i was there ready for them to drop and i managed to get a pair and also you then get that hit of it's a little bit like I would imagine gambling. It's that dopamine hit. If I really want something, you're waiting for it to ping, you know, and suddenly you, you're you able to have that. Mm. Um, and with teenagers, that dopamine spike is higher than it is for adults. So you can imagine if I was so excited when my trainers dropped, what that would be like for, you know, a 12 or 13-year-old is, is insane. Yeah, it's massive, isn't it? Mm. Um, if you don't mind, could you tell us a bit about your son's sort of sneaker empire? Because he's made, made a business, didn't he, out of sort of... Um, reselling uh, branded he did he did and I think for him it was it was that gateway into entrepreneurship that he saw that you know initially I think it was just football trainers that he'd worn himself and were in a really good condition was able to sell on um and that then transpired into trainers um and he was then able to he could start to analyze when and where trainers were going to drop that were then in demand so he could buy them and then resell them and initially that um upsell wasn't massive might only sort of be 10, 15 pounds each on a pair of shoes. But he saw that the it's a, it's about quantity. Right. You know, if you can do that with 50 pairs of shoes, then that's a good income as a starting point. And then use that income into buying maybe more expensive shoes that then you've got an even higher markup on. Right. And then eventually that became the beginnings of, you know, other areas of entrepreneurship for him. So mm-hmm. it was a real starter into that field. Um, you know, he's studying business now. Um, he's not so concerned with the reselling trainers anymore but it was definitely something that was um, a really good starting point for him in knowing him he's got a really good head on his shoulders in terms of um, business acumen hasn't he he did, did have it at quite a young age yes yeah um, I mean we're talking maybe 13 14 when these sort of aspirations started um, and you know six years later um, he's in a very different position now but that I think for a lot of young people who want to be entrepreneurs, they understand they need a starting point. They need a starting amount of money and they understand that buy something small, sell it for a little bit more, buy something a bit bigger, sell that for a little bit more. You know, can it's that that quantitative um, aspect of going into business. And I bet you didn't have to give me pocket money after the age of like 13, 14, did you? 
well, I think we always kept pocket money really low. So I still kept giving him the pocket money. But I think that's one of the reasons why he was like, hang on, this is not enough for whatever I want to do with my life. How else am I going to earn some more money? Yeah, yeah, I get that. In terms of the sort of impact wider on society moving forward, I want to talk to you a little bit about consumerism and how the sneaker, I guess, the sneakerhead culture um, doesn't really fit in with uh, sustainability. For instance, there's, it's always newness, isn't it? You want to get that that new pair of sneakers, new pair of trainers, mm. and they're dropping so much. So at the moment, the kind of the brands like Nike, for instance, they're dropping stuff um, at such a regular rate mm. that people are, are buying more and more. So either, to either collect and never wear, mm. or to uh, to buy a new pair, get another pair, and and then that pair is insignificant. It's not helpful for mm. sustainability, and also I think it does breed a little bit of consumerism within our young people to say. I always want the newest brand new thing. It does. But I think in contrast to when we were younger, that consumerism was to buy something, use it. And then, you know, when you're done with it, you throw it away. I can't imagine young people throwing away a pair of Jordans right now. They would keep them until they're not fitting them and then probably resell them. And even if you go on eBay, you can probably find pairs that are a little bit battered, a little bit worn, and then still, you know, they're still being sold. So although there's more in the marketplace, they're still existing and still being used for longer because they are in general sort of leather, good quality items. Um, There's actually somebody where we live in Nottingham who started up a business, um, what's the word? reconditioning people's trainers oh, wow. um and he's a young person um you know he's still i think he's still at school still at college and charges a small amount to take your shoes get the creases out of them and so there's that market as yeah. well to keep um keep the items in circulation longer than you know a pair of throwaway something else um so it's a little bit different from that aspect in the sustainability agenda that does sound like a really good business idea, actually, as well. Mm. Um, I do just worry a little bit about, and I've said this before on, on a previous podcast, about what we're putting our value in. Um, because essentially, they are a pair of shoes. Shoes are important, obviously. Mm. Um, but having kids walk around like penguins because they don't want to crease these things <laughs> on their feet, which are designed to actually be training shoes. Mm. Um, I, I just I do find it a little bit odd. And I do sort of want to speak to my children, myself, about what they're putting their value in. But some, some of these things are actually made really well, aren't they? They are really attractive. The sneaker head culture has been around for a heck of a long time. Um, but I, some sneakers have been sold for like, I think the most expensive pair of Jordans went for $25,000. Wow. That was actually on StockX. And it, <laughs> but my brain just goes, I want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> but what did they look like? Did they look like they were worth £25,000? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they were Jordan 4s. Were they worn by Jordan himself? No, they, they weren't. These were Jordan fours, right. and which are kind of, and they were they were Travis Scott sort of like um, partnership or yeah, I don't know really what that means. I know that Nike worked with with other brands yeah. to make a trainer design a trainer. Yeah, these ones were purple. So Jordan four, Travis Scott purple yeah. shoes, quite exclusive, I think. Yeah, well, it must have been twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, ridiculous amounts of money, mm. but. Something else which that then breeds is um, the counterfeit culture as well. So you've then got people making fake Jordans, mm. fake um, Air Force Ones to sell on. And, and kids don't know what's genuine and what's not. No. And I had a really interesting conversation with um, a young person that said to me they didn't care whether they were real or not and they were prepared to pay the same money 
because they could see they were good enough fake. Wow. Yeah. That they, they didn't they weren't buying them from a shop. If they were fake, they didn't matter because nobody would notice they were fake. And so they were prepared to pay the same money for a fake pair as they were for a real pair. Yeah. I get that. I get mm. that actually get that, especially from a consumer point of view. I guess from a from a, a wider point of view, you're wondering where that counterfeit money is going and what of it's course. funding everything else. But yeah. um for the kids themselves, it's such a pressure, isn't it? Closing remark then, just about giving advice to parents on how to keep up with sneaker culture for their kids, but also then trying to educate them about the world and about what they put value in. What do you think? I would say, number one, make sure they understand consumerism. They understand that a brand is creating a need for you to want it and what that means for you. Yeah. Number two, as a young person, your dopamine levels will spike a lot quicker than an adult. And so you're getting a buzz from getting that shoe and that's what that brand wants you to have. Uh-huh. Three, if you really want something, you work hard enough to get it. Yeah. Can they do extra pocket money? Can they do you know, babysitting? Can they do something to earn that money themselves or at least part fund it themselves? Mm-hmm. Four, are they looking after them? Are they going to be able to resell them? So again, you know, it's making sure they understand the value. And five, just being kind. Just because you have an amazing pair of shoes, if you've managed to get some, means that you should never make anybody else feel yeah, bad actually. for not having it. Yeah, brilliant. That, that's a really good point to remember, actually. You know, kids being kind to each other, mm. not scrutinising each other's shoes. Yes. Not taking me out of someone because they haven't got the latest Jordans or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming on. Hope to get you on again sometime soon. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed that. Awesome. Bye. See you later. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please do rate, review and share if you like it. If you've got any friends or teachers who want an insight into new teen trends, then please do share it with them. That would be wonderful. If you want to get in contact, please reach out on Twitter, which is the best place for me. My handle is at Nathan Ashman. Next episode will be on Andrew Tate, and that's going to be out in a couple of weeks time. Thanks for listening, folks.